Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Remember back when you were in school? Some of us loved school, and there were some of us who may have had some troubles keeping up with the other students. Maybe we have a different approach to learning that would help us to really encapsulate what we're trying to learn as a kid in a different way than just sitting in a chair in a classroom in your standard sort of tutorial situation. Everybody learns differently, and today we're going to talk a little bit about how to address some of those learning differences and what happens when you need to take a more multi-layered approach to student teaching or to, to teaching students and helping them to learn in their environment in ways that all of us can appreciate as we get older, different, different experiences everyone brings to the community. We all learn differently, and today we're going to learn a little bit about some of the techniques to help us as we maybe in lifetime as a student. So I'm joined here at the table by Darlene Robertson. She's the Director of Professional Development and Outreach at Asset School for over three decades. We also have Melly Ina Wood, and she is a parent of a 12-year-old who's currently at Assets, but also the Hawaiian resource teacher, so you'll be able to correct all of my pronunciation mistakes. And we have Angela Keene. She is the marketing director at Assets, and she's also somebody who has a big, a huge experience in the medical profession doing Mm -hmm. a lot of reporting, and also had some personal experience with learning difficulties or differences when you were younger, and you found amazing ways to overcome those. That sort of inspired your journey to work at Assets as well to help others do the same. So thank you, ladies, for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Kozak. Thank you. Thank you. Darlene, what is the mission of Assets School? Because I often find that, you know, although traditionally people are used to a classroom environment, as time has gone on, Education needs to respond to the needs of the students. Even as an adult learner, I love to take classes, and I find that whether it be convenience or whether it be online or just a different format, the way that I learned when I was younger probably wasn't the best way to address how I like to learn things. But, you know, it's a little too late for me to go back to elementary (laughs) school now. What is the mission of assets and what sort of students do they serve? Okay, well, the mission at ASSETS is to serve students with learning differences. Um, And at ASSETS, specifically, we serve students who have language-based learning differences, um, which can include dyslexia. In addition, we have students who we call twice-exceptional students. We call them 2E students. And they're often gifted students, and they also have learning differences. What would be a learning difference that would be, you mentioned dyslexia Dyslexia. is one of them. Mm -hmm. Are there any common learning differences? I mean, you know, like I know I like to learn in a picture method as opposed to in in a written method, but, you know, that may just be something I know about me. What would be some learning differences that could affect the reading and writing type of process? Okay, well, let's take um, a dyslexic student, for example. And so a dyslexic student, of course, if we ask them to read or to write, and that was the way they were going to be learning, they would have a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges, would be frustrated with school, get turned off to school. And so um, at Assets, these children would receive remediation on strengthening their reading and 
their spelling and their writing. But in in addition, in order to get them excited about school, to make sure that they continue learning, they would engage in um, a multi-sensory, hands-on approach to learning, let's say, about... um, Let's say, what are the immigration, where we have put on simulations. Um, Meli Aina, who's here, she's our Hawaiiana teacher. And so teaching Hawaiian language to, to these students, um, she, I know, uses a very multi-sensory approach in her class. I've seen a number of um, projects so, Meliana, um, tell me, you have a 12-year-old uh, son who is in the school. What made you choose to go to Assets? And then now you also work there, so you're the Hawaiian resource teacher as well. Um, my son was having, um, he was actually having a good experience at school. And as he got older and you needed to um, learn different information through reading, that's when things got you know challenging for him. Um, his teacher at the time didn't have um, that teaching approach where it's multisensory, meaning that he would use his ears, his audio, his um, his eyes, which is visual, and the kinesthetics, which might be writing or it might be you know anything that's requiring movement. Um, so his self esteem dropped drastically, and we realized that the school he was at wasn't you know, the, the best fit for him. So what I did, and I had been at Assets for a year, was I I tried it out. You know, I, I tried to see, you know, like, you know, what's going on. We did get him tested. He did not receive a diagnosis, but his working memory um, was a little slower than, than you would like. So he spent a year at Assets, and I remember him telling me, I'm good at math again. And I was like, well, you've always been really good at math. It's just, you know, now that you have a teacher who um, can deliver the information in a way that you like to learn, then, you know, that brings out you know, your strength in math. And so, um, yeah, we're happy with what's he, what he's been doing there. Angela, if I were to walk into a classroom at Assets. Yes. What would I see? What's different than <sighs> what I would expect with, with standard seating for classes? completely different than what you'd be used to in a standard school. So one of the things I learned when I walked in was, oh, what's this? A wobble seat or a yoga ball to sit on or bungees at the bottom of their desk that they can bounce their feet on. Or you might smell uh, aromatherapy, which I've never seen or experienced in a regular classroom. Yeah, there may be some smells in a classroom, but I do not (laughs) think they would call that aromatherapy. So I'm just going to say that's probably a unique environment. So why why are those things there? I think it helps the child get the wiggles out. I think it's something that's tactile that they can touch and feel. And um, Darlene, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just something that adapts, allows the child to adapt and adapts to the child. You know what I find amazing? I was at a conference today and we were sitting just in our chairs and it was all of maybe two hours. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed at how I can't do that anymore. I mean, you just sit there and you want to get up and you want to move around. And yet I'm in this conference and it's really not appropriate to get up and do that. But I thought to myself, how did I ever make it through school sitting so much because as a kid you have more energy and you know you want to get up and move around and do stuff and touch things and 
And I couldn't even last two hours today. It, like, surprised me that I was so antsy. And it was just such a short period of time. So when you look at some of the things that are that students go through, are they also experiencing some of these issues? And is that why some of the design of the seating is different? Maybe different seating arrangements or groups of chairs in different ways. Is it to help address some of those needs? Um, it is. And, well, the thing is, is that kids, students are constantly changing. So it might be something that a student may need just for a little while. And then they'll transition to um, another type of another type of compensation, you know that that will help them. But it sounds uh, like yeah. when you teach Melianne for the Hawaiian program that you incorporate some of these different modalities. What would somebody who's in your classroom experience, if you were giving a lesson, how might it be different than you know me mm-hmm. trying to? learn a new language. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was really <laughs> difficult, writing my alphabet like 50 times. How would it be in your classroom? Um, well, I do do the multi-sensory approach. Um, the great thing about Hawaiian is it's it's a lot of hands-on. You know, I try to make sure that they're not in their seats for a long time because then it gets harder for me to teach, you know. And so a student um, may require standing up while I'm while I'm giving, you know, directions or a student might require something in their hand if i don't offer those outlets um then they'd be cutting my crayons you know so it's just offering them um you know the compensation for you know what what their needs are at the time um it's it's just if they're engaged and happy and comfortable then then i can teach you know so it's um having all those options and outlets for them is is really important. And one of the things that we really push for is for our students to learn how to advocate for themselves. And so, you know, I let them know, you raise your hand or you can come quietly and tell me like, I need to go outside. And the lovely thing is we always have a second teacher in our classroom. So if someone needs to step outside, maybe take a lap around the playground, you know, that's that's there for them. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with some friends, some new friends from Asset School, Darlene Robertson, Melianne Wood, and Angela Keene. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are some of the ways that we could utilize some of these creative learning approaches to help students, really of any ages, to become engaged, interactive with what they're learning, and if there are some ways that we can see that it actually helps them in their journey through the educational system. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with some folks from Asset School. I have Darlene Robertson. She's the Director of Professional Development and Outreach for over three decades. I have Mele Aina-Wood, and she is a parent of a 12-year-old, but also the Hawaiian resource teacher. And Angela Keene, the Marketing Director and someone who has a lot of experience in the healthcare arena at helping to really help people learn more and get an education about medical topics. So Mm -hmm. Today we're talking about general education topics, reading, writing, math, one of my absolute horrible subjects, geography. Don't ask me where anything is because I I really don't know. And so we're talking about how different learning approaches might help students to get a better grasp of material. And that may involve meeting them where they're at in their learning process. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about what the experience might be in Mele Aina, your Hawaiian resource. You're a resource teacher, but in your classroom. And that was sort of describing kind of that approach of if you need to be outside or if you need to interact and get up out of a chair and get up and move around more. It kind of makes me wonder, Darlene, why don't we all do this all the time? I mean, it sounds like the approach is really meeting students where their needs happen to be. And it makes me wonder, why did I sit in classrooms all those years? Well, Asset School is really fortunate in that um, our classrooms are small and we have 16 students, at least in the lower grades, we have 16 students, two teachers in each classroom in the high school we have classes anywhere from four to twelve students with one teacher Um, so and we are also able to group the students accordingly and so doing something doing something like that we can better address their needs um, at assets every classroom is it's okay to have extended time and so, you know, in many classrooms, in traditional classrooms, it's you've got to get your things done in, in five minutes. And if not, you've got to make it up during recess or you've got to take it home, you know, for homework. But at Assets, we know that a number of students may have issues with what we call processing speed or with um, working memory. And both of those involve the rate at which a child will produce what they need to produce in the classroom or the rate at which they can take in information. So I think to answer your question, why can't we do that everywhere? It would be really difficult. And it may not be needed. Now, how would you know, how do you diagnose that someone has a processing issue or that they need Mm -hmm. more time with some of their learning? Are there certain types of testing that can be done to help identify that? Well, as part of the application process, we do ask um, parents to submit if they have it, um, psychoeducational evaluations, at the very least, we would want to see their um, cognitive evaluation, which is generally the WISC testing, um, sometimes called IQ testing. And then we also ask parents to please submit any other kind of paperwork that can be helpful. It can be other tests. It can be um, report cards and so forth. And we take all that information and then we look at the child. So as Meliana said, she, you know, when she had her child diagnosed or when she took her child for testing, she noted that he didn't come out with any specific diagnosis. And so that does happen with a number of parents that 
um, apply their child to assets. It's just this gut feeling that the parents think, you know, there's there's something up, even though there's no official diagnosis, there's something with the student. So we take the paperwork that the parents submit. We also talk to the parents. And so in some of this paperwork, we um, many times we can find, oh, there's particular pink flags or red flags here that um, indicate there is something going on with that particular child's learning. And so if it fits our mission, then that child um, is invited to come to Asset School. Mele, I know, what are some of the diagnoses that you're aware of of some of the students that you teach in your classroom? Um, well, a lot of them are dyslexic, um, dysgraphic, which is, um, it's not just writing, but it's just that, that motor skill, um, putting pen to um, paper, um, dyscalculia, which is math, you know, having trouble with that. Uh, we do have, a lot of the times, these students may have ADHD, so it, it'll come in hand in hand sometimes. Um, I mean, it can be, those are probably the most prevalent like that I see um, or that I know of in my classes. So these would be diagnoses that would have been apparent prior to coming to assets or in the process of their educational experience. Additional mm-hmm. testing might be done and they're find, found to have certain conditions that would lend itself to an environment that helps to address their particular needs. Yes. So yeah. you could, in your classroom, have several different students with different learning differences and have to find a way to sort of create a lesson that would apply to all of them. Yeah. Um, that's I smile because I, I, I enjoy that, um, that challenge to be able to produce um, lessons that will reach. You know, I always have at least four profiles in mind when I'm doing lessons um, and how they learn so that I can, you know, come out with at least four different ways to to present, you know, the information and allow them to choose the way they want to finish the lesson. And, um, you know, we, we just did a differentiated and um, workshop with Darlene about um, differentiation versus individualized. And, um, you know, I, I love it. I, I love to be able to to make different ways. I have six of my own children at home and they all learn different, you know, so um, even if I'm teaching how to cook eggs at home. So it's just like my classroom. It's really exciting to be able to say, uh, you know, I I have maybe four different ways that I can teach you and then you can choose how you would like to, to finish your lesson. So do the kids often self-identify what way works best for them? Most times, by the time I'd say three months in, I, I have an idea of what they want to choose. Um, and then we also want to take note of when it's time for intervention, um, when we want to work on a skill that they're weak at, or when we want to um, accommodate or bypass that skill. And so, um, you know, the students feel the same way, like if they, you know, okay, today we're going to be strengthening this skill. So it might not be your choice to choose how I want you to finish the lesson, but it's not, it'll be fun. You know, like we're going to do it together. We're going to, there's going to be a lot of support um, in that way. So you'll find a way to sort of help them to make 
some improvement in whatever skill you're looking at, but at the same time, you'll also be looking at trying to figure out how to get this lesson across in a way that they might respond to and understand. Yeah, my goal is, you know, by the end of the year is for them to um, to try something that maybe was a little uncomfortable to, to do in the beginning. I think sometimes we all have to get out of our comfort zone and try something new. All right. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And we're talking about learning differences and a multi-layered approach to teaching students. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Darlene Robertson, the Director of Professional Development and Outreach at Asset School for over 30 years. We have Mele Ina Wood. She is a parent of a 12-year-old who is also the Hawaiian resource teacher, and Angela Keene, the Marketing Director for Asset School. And we're talking today about different ways that people might learn and how can we meet students where they're at to help address what their learning needs are in a way that will help them succeed. Now, at the top of the hour, we talked a little bit about the inspiration for you working there, Angela, and you mentioned (laughs) That when you went through school, you yeah. had some differences in how you learn than how other people learn. What was that? I have chicken skin. <clears throat> um, I was. That's a learning <laughs> difference. <laughs> but I think if you wore a jacket, that would help. Okay. Um, I have. I am a two E kid, so I'm twice exceptional. I'm gifted, and I have a learning challenge. And my learning challenge was mathematics. I was in special ed math. And um, the resource teachers told my parents that I would probably be flipping burgers the rest of my life. But I proved them wrong. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I would make a joke about flipping, but I will not. So good that you you really showed them in ways that, you know, with all of the expertise mm-hmm. that you bring to the table. What helped you and what do you think would help other people in the same situation if they also had math as their challenge? I had parents who pushed me. Um, When I got that um, teacher that said I'd be flipping burgers for the rest of my life, I was 14 years old, and I spoke four languages. Wow. I didn't know that. I don't speak four languages (laughs) now. And now I speak six. (laughs) But um, it it really takes parents who are ready to push and not just – not the child, but the system Um, and, and not take no for an answer. Um, if you know Meleana, you, you you can hear it in her voice that she's determined to make sure that she gets the best for her child. And she's done that. And she's become a part of it. Which is exciting. At the same time, not only did you recognize this is something that your child needs, you also said, I'm going to help other kids in the same situation. And so with you mm-hmm. deciding, hey, my parents are going to push the system. I'm going to get through this. I And I, I mean, I assume that with all that language ability that you have, mm-hmm. that's something that they might not have recognized as no. a unique skill that you mm-hmm. possess, no. as opposed to picking the one thing that yeah. you might not have been as successful exactly. at. Exactly. But you could count the number of languages now, and I'd like to say six languages is really impressive. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I work on mastering <laughs> one most days. And, okay. But when I walk into the classroom at Assets, there's teachers doing math with all these different formulas and counting with your fingers and graphs and angles and these kids 
that couldn't can't do a math problem go up there in, in the front of the classroom and they're able to do it. And Darlene is really one of the I would say experts in Hawaii um, that knows how to teach teachers and parents about this. So what are some of those unique skills that you possess, Darlene, for for how do you identify what skills teachers need to be able to reach the students? I don't know if it's identifying the skills that that teachers need. What what we do when we work with um, teachers and it's teachers at assets as well as teachers in the general community is we help these teachers understand learning differences and how um, students how we ourselves learn differently, how students learn differently. And so, for example, um, I'll just pick up where Angela was talking about math. And so we have students that may have difficulty with math. And let's say they're very young students. And so one of the things that we'll share, you know, right off the bat with very young students that are having difficulty with math is that for our our primary-aged kids, learning math is actually a linguistic skill. You think of it as more of a um, skill that deals with quantities, but really in that kindergarten, first, second, third grade, students are learning basic facts, and it's all navigated by their language skills. And there's been um, what are called fMRIs, those magnetic resonance imaging. Right, right. And so that they've been done um, with individuals, and what it shows is that these very young students, when they are learning their math facts, the part of the brain that's activated is actually the language centers of the brain. And so that's where they came with that information. So we tell teachers, um, you know, this is what's happening. You may have this very young child that's experiencing difficulty with math, but hey, is this really a difficulty with math? Or is this something else? It may be a difficulty with language. And then we present them with strategies, usually the multi-sensory strategies with the use of a lot of manipulatives, because both the child who has difficulty with math can benefit from that, and also the child who has a strength in math, because kids that have strengths in math, they really love learning patterns. So, you know, that's an example with math. Um, What's a multi-sensory? Multi-sensory is to learn. We use primarily three of our senses. It's going to be our um, visual, an auditory, and kinesthetic tactile. Now, in multi-sensory, it's not about, okay, one moment I'm going to use visual. The next moment I'm going to use auditory, and maybe the next time I will use the kinesthetic. It means that you are engaging all three senses at one time to deliver information to a student Um, so that if a child has difficulty, let's say, with the visual processing, then um, that child can use their relative strength, which may be the auditory or kinesthetic um, processing channels to gain the information. So So they could be looking at it. They could be touching it. They could be hearing what you're saying about it. And using that whole approach might help them to understand the learning point that you're trying to make. All all at the same time. So as an example, um, let's say we were trying to teach this child 
S-H, makes the sound sh. And so maybe a typical learner would pick that up, you know, after four or five, um, four or five learning experiences with it. But a child that has difficulty, let's say with the reading and or spelling, they're going to need not only much more repetition with that, but they're going to need a way if they're, if looking at SH is not helping them remember the sound of SH, then we are going to show them this is SH and the sound it makes is shh. And at the same time, have them um, do some air writing, write it in the air so that they would be writing SH and SH. We would hold the card up so they could see SH. So you have that visual prompt. Writing it in the air is the kinesthetic prompt, and then they're saying it, so they're getting that auditory prompt all at the same time. Well, I have to say, it sounds a lot more complicated than I ever thought it would be when I was a student. And certainly, I I applaud all of you for putting in all the hard work that you do to help make these students succeed with all of their learning differences and with their extraordinary abilities in a way that helps them become productive members of society and utilize all the intelligence and knowledge that they have to help all of us. So I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links, or you can find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week here on The Body Show. Thank mm-hmm. you.